Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. Startup CPG is a launchpad and community for small brands. We host interactive events and serve as a resource for insights and expertise to build a brand that's better for people and better for the planet. Today's episode is a conversation with Clara Pay, founder of Unite Food. Unite packs globally inspired flavors and wholesome, gluten-free ingredients and superfoods into nourishing, high-protein snacks. Our mission is to unite. Clara is technically a one-woman show, but it's so clear that she's building something much bigger than herself. Bringing inclusion and, and diversity to bars, that's every culture. We're not about leaving anybody behind. And on this episode, we talk about the inspiration and process of shaking up a pretty basic niche of CPG and bringing more flavor, vibrancy, diversity, and inclusion to it. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast, Clara. Thanks for having me, Amanda. Delighted to have you on board and share your story. So we wanted to create a protein bar that was really representative of many different cultures. Backing up a little bit, you know, I was an avid nutrition bar, energy bar, protein bar eater. And the same obstacle I kept coming up against was that I just didn't really care for a lot of the flavors on the market. And looking at the category, it was always kind of the same flavors, vanilla, chocolate, lemon, blueberry, maybe a birthday cake repeat. And every manufacturer seemed to kind of be making the same flavors over and over again. And I have kind of a unique perspective because uh, my family and I immigrated to the United States when I was five and I grew up in California where, you know, there's a lot of immigrants and one out of two of us has an immigrant parent, 27% of us are foreign born. So I grew up in and around a variety of many, many cultures. And, you know, my going to USC for my undergrad, I had best friends from Peru and China and Mexico and Japan, and just from really all corners of the world. So I was always exposed to many different cultures. And I had this kind of aha moment when I realized that probably the reason I don't like protein bars that much is because they're not really speaking to that cultural diversity that I'm used to eating outside of, you know, just like health food or wellness food. You have friends from all over the world who have all different kinds of cuisines and you've grown up with more exciting flavor profiles than what you are seeing in grocery store shelves. Really the problem is if you want to eat well and you want to be healthy, but the food that you're told to buy, you know, by the nutrition world doesn't remotely reflect the food you like to eat or flavors that you're interested in, it becomes kind of an extra challenge. So like if you didn't grow up eating apple pie, apple pie doesn't sound that good to you in a protein (laughs) bar. But you know what? Like a churro sounds really yummy and most people have had a churro. So there is like some kind of excitement there with just like a different flavor profile. And so I started brainstorming. Yeah, churros, they're one of my (laughs) favorite things. Uh, when I buy a churro, I usually take a selfie and tell people about it. Because <laughs> why not dip it in chocolate, I hope, too, because that's extra. <laughs> so good. And also, I tried the churro one, and I think you really nailed it with the flavor. It's like subtle. There's something doughy about a churro that adds to the balance of the flavor, so it's not overwhelmingly cinnamon sugar that mm-hmm. I think you captured really well. Actually, in all of your bars, I was really uh, impressed with the flavors. Thank you so much. Yeah, flavor was something I was not going to compromise on because I mean, if you look at our branding, like flavor really is the hero. And that's because flavor is super important to me. Like it had to taste.
taste really good. And of course, it's not a churro, <laughs> you know, but we wanted to give it, you know, that like same cinnamony goodness. And we put little yummy um, toffee bits in there to give it some crunch. And so texture and flavor were things I really paid attention to. And it wasn't just about let's just slap something and put it on the shelf. I really cared deeply about the flavor. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit about your process? So the first thing I did was I visited local ethnic markets and I wanted to see um, what kind of flavors were on the shelves, like what was representative of a real ethnic uh, market. One of the greatest things I did was go to like a, a Mexican ice cream shop. Okay. So where were you looking for this? What shelves were you looking at? I was looking at the candy aisle and the pastries and even in the produce section. So oh, I wow. just wanted to like really immerse myself, even though like I lived in Southern California my whole life and have, you know, tons of Hispanic friends, and know a lot about Hispanic culture. I knew I wanted to start there because that was really the culture of most influence um, for me and for um, mm. a lot of people that live here in California, really across the nation. Yeah. So I just started trying to notice flavors and kind of immerse myself in flavor and cultures, you know, visiting restaurants and things like that. And then it was my good old Cuisinart, you know, I came home and just started playing around with cinnamon and vanilla and sugar and dates and flax seeds and hemp seeds, and, you know, everything I can get my hands on to try to make these flavors. You started playing around with cinnamon and sugar and dates and hemp seeds. Yeah. Amazing. It was super fun. And so then, you know, and I have these international friends that I would be my taste testers. <laughs> so they would have to give it the seal of approval. And that's really how I developed the flavors. You also mentioned that you were inspired by going to an ice cream shop. Yeah, that was like, you know, the, the, there's these great um, ice cream shops in Southern California that are, you know, they serve the Hispanic market and they have really interesting flavors. And it's not like 30 flavors. It's like 50 flavors of like everything Whoa. from like a tamarind flavor to a dulce de leche to a, a spicy mango and they cut up fresh fruit and they put it on top and you've not experienced it. I highly recommend. It's just like a really, really good just flavor adventure. Amazing. What What's one of the weirdest flavors that you might have seen there that hmm, I wonder if people would be into that? Or, oh, no, I don't know if that would really land. I think to like um, mainstream people, like the idea of eating spicy ice cream might be like really weird. But something about chili and mango and like tamarind, like a sour and a spicy and a salty, it just goes really well with the cooling um, frozen dessert. So it's just it's like something that people I think are still discovering, like mango and spice or but that you know, is pretty mainstream in the Hispanic community. And that's why like when I developed the Mexican hot chocolate, like I knew I wanted it to have a little kick uh, because that's mm -hmm. how Mexican hot chocolate tastes. And it has like a little bit of a spice. What was the first flavor you came up with? I kind of just developed like 10 flavors. Oh, cool. <laughs> so I just like, I played in my kitchen and I made everything that popped into my head. So I made like a green tea flavor and I made like a Chinese red bean flavor mm. and I made like a hava flavor and I made like all these flavor, chai tea, like I did a million flavors, but I settled on the churro and the Mexican hot chocolate. Uh, for the, like, the Hispanic flavors, because I wanted it to be nostalgic. And churros are not just eaten in Mexico, for example, but they really originated in Spain and in Portugal. Mm. And all over Latin America, people eat churros. You know, Mexican hot chocolate is something that's eaten um, kind of around the holidays. And so, you know, like somebody's abuelita or grandmother could make a batch for the family around Christmas Eve. And that to me, like I wanted the flavors to also be nostalgic and remind people of childhood. Sarah, that's exactly what I thought of when I had your Mexican hot chocolate. I was like, this kind of reminds me of Christmas time. <laughs> yeah.
the kick is there, but it's pretty subtle. And I'm I'm pretty sensitive yeah. to spice, but I also love spicy chocolate. The surprise with that one was like so many people sending me um, pictures of their kids eating it. And at first I was like, oh no, it's going to be too spicy for them. But they're like, no, it's not at all. I'm like, kids have loved it. So I'm like, oh, okay. So that's good. Because I was a little bit worried about the spice. I'm like, some people are very sensitive to spice. It's a spectrum, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's it, but it's been great with for human kids. So that was a big surprise. I didn't expect it to appeal to kids, but it has. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious how you decided that the Mexican hot chocolate would have chocolate on the bottom. So we wanted to make it really indulgent, you know, have the word chocolate on it. Like I wanted it to be chocolatey. And, you know, I, it's so good, like chopped up even over ice cream. It really feels like an indulgent, indulgent treat. Um, but it also had to be good for you. But the chocolate on the bottom was just to kick up that chocolate flavor and really make it shine and stark chocolate. Oh, got it. Cool. And you've got some really interesting ingredients here that I don't usually see on protein bars. Specifically, one of my favorite things to put on salads, which is hemp seeds. Functional ingredients were really important to me too. So after flavor and texture, like it had to be really good for you. Like it, and I wasn't about jumping on like a keto bandwagon or a low carb bandwagon or whatever the flavor of the month happens to be. Yeah. Right. In terms of diet, cause that's always evolving. Um, I really wanted it to be super wholesome, natural, real food ingredients. And hemp seeds are fantastic as anti as an anti-inflammatory agent. They add fiber and protein to the bar. So to me, um, it was all about having hemp seeds be a part of the bar just for their functionality. And I think people are just waking up to the power of hemp. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And another interesting ingredient on the label is chicory fiber. I know almost nothing about chicory fiber except that in the automats back in the day, there was chicory root coffee. That's the extent of my chicory root knowledge. <laughs> so chicory root is a very powerful prebiotic. What is a prebiotic? So prebiotics aren't absorbed in your stomach lining and they set the foundation for probiotics to work. So they sit in your colon and the chicory fiber is a, an excellent source of fiber to keep you full and, um, you know, keep staying power for whatever you're eating, but you need that layer of prebiotic to actually make your probiotics work. So they're actually just as important as probiotics. And you hear a lot about probiotics. I think people are just now having this awakening about prebiotic. So it was important for me to have a good amount of fiber in the bar. And I wanted it to be, you know, have this double benefit. Yeah. And it's cool. It's not just fiber, but chicory fiber. I really want to know, learn more about that plant. It looks like coffee. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like you wouldn't, it doesn't look like what you think it would look like, but like chicory root, like you think about um, like a coffee pub. How did you find about, out about chicory root? How did you consider it as an ingredient? Is it in all three of your bars right now? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I worked with a really great food scientist who kind of educated me about some of these things. And I gave her a list of like macros that I wanted my bar to have. So, you know, I knew I wanted it to have 10 grams of protein. I wanted it to be under 200 calories and have at least uh, five grams of fiber. And, and the chicory root was a great way to establish that fiber. Amazing. I'm curious about your background. This is not the first company you've started, but it is the first CPG company that you, you've started. Am I correct? Yeah, that's a correct. So I have kind of an interesting background. I spent about 18 years running my family business, which is plumbing, manufacturing, and distribution, which has nothing to do with my later two companies. In 2011, I became a mom. Hmm. 
And I live in Southern California, which is super sunny, you know, spending a lot of time outdoors and in the pool and at the beach. You know, I had this battle with my kids about wearing sunscreen. I put a hat on them and they'd rip it off. And so I didn't know like how to protect their scalp from the sun because they had like fine hair and sunburns on your head are actually one of the leading causes of undetected skin cancer because your hair covers it as you get Mm, older. Wow. And so I was there and we have skin cancer in our family. And one day, you know, we live close to Disney. And so we have Disneyland passes. And I was like, why will my kid wear this hat all day long, sweat through it, not care, but they won't wear a sun hat? Oh, duh. It's not a costume. It's not fun to wear a sun hat. If they're in costume, it's fine. Right? So I was like, I'm going to trick them. (laughs) So I created a product again to solve my own problems. And I created a company called Tiny Crowns. And it started with hats that had like a crown stitched on. We had pirates and, and superheroes and firefighters. And I made UV protective bathing suits, which were costumes to go along with it. So nobody had married the idea of costumes in swimwear before. And so we were the world's first swim costume. Brilliant. And again, with protein bars and just creating products to solve my own problem. (laughs) So I figure. For sure. Is there one lesson that you're finding applicable in creating protein bars? Because those do seem pretty different. Totally different. Protein bars versus swimwear. You're working with totally different suppliers. Sounds like uh, kids like both of your products. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is the one commonality. You know, I think um, the difference is I'm not afraid. I'm curious. So I'm not afraid to like figure out new industries. Hmm. What is similar across both of them is how I brought the product to life. And that was like by relying on an army of freelancers and people to help me fill in the gaps of knowledge. So it was really about how I brought the product to life. So interesting. That's most similar versus really anything in common between the products other than you have to have strong branding. Mm. Uh, You know, you have to be solving a problem. Yeah, for sure. So how many people are currently on your team full time? It's just me. So I've just launched. So it's just me. Actually, my husband, he has a full-time job, but he is also helping on the side and I outsource everything else. So creative work and our branding work. We work with a great agency in Austin called Shelf Studios. And then we have, you know, just freelancers that help us with everything else. And we're just getting started. So we just launched in March, but I anticipate as we get into retail and as we grow our business, we'll we'll definitely be having more full-time people brought on. But right now it's just, it's a party of one. Wow. That's impressive. Thank you. So Clara, you mentioned that you moved to California when you were five. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So I was born in the Sudan in Africa. My parents left. I mean, they were born there too. My mom is Egyptian and my dad is Syrian. And we left um, when I was five and moved to um, Hollywood (laughs) because that's where you move, right? It's like if you ask a foreigner where they want to live back in the seventies and they would tell you Hollywood, of course, because that's where all the movies are. Yeah. So we moved to Los Angeles um, and I didn't speak a word of English. And I just remember being dropped off into kindergarten and not knowing anybody or anything. And just really one of my first earliest memories was bonding over food. Actually, when I think back was I had this Korean friend who was imagine the early 80s before sushi was a thing would come to school with little rice wrapped with seaweed and a little pink thing in the middle and I was five or six years old and I'd go home and tell my mom oh I ate some fish and some rice and a black thing (laughs) she'd say what that's so funny and so that's how we bonded was over food it was so funny yeah and it (laughs) sounds like you still have that curiosity and that's kind of fueling your business what was in your lunchbox as a kid? 
my mom got in trouble actually with the school teacher because she thought she wasn't feeding me nutritious food (laughs) because I would come to school with halva sandwiches, which the teacher didn't know what halva was, but it's a highly nutritious like tahini based, kind of like a PB&J, but you know, Middle Eastern. I love halva. (laughs) Yeah. So it would be a halva sandwich. She'd be like, you can't feed your daughter this every day. (laughs) So it was just, you know, like diversity wasn't as as popular then. And so that's what was in my lunchbox. Do you think uh, a halva protein bar is on the horizon? 100%. It's already been developed. That's amazing. If you need any taste testing, (laughs) I'm I'm happy to help you out there. (laughs) A little bit bitter and then sweet and the crunch. Like to me, it's like, it's just like so... It's so comforting to eat halva. I know halva to be like tahini and honey. Is that yeah. is that where you're going? Exactly. Amazing. Are you open to sharing the next flavor that you're most excited to consider launching? Yeah. We're excited to launch a baklava flavor, which will be like very in tune with my own culture and upbringing. Baklava is like, again, honey and pistachios and crunch. And so we're working out uh, the flavor and the texture right now. And, you know, I won't bring anything to market that I'm not 100% behind. Product development for me is super important. Yeah, absolutely. And what is important about baklava flavor and texture that you need to nail? Baklava is also eaten all over the world. Like people eat it in Russia, they eat it in the Middle East, India, they eat it like all over the world. And so it means different things to different people. Kind of the unifying thing is like either walnuts or pistachios and like that sweetness from the honey. And it has to be crunchy a little bit and flaky. So Mm -hmm. my other bars are more date based and those are good for like the flavors that we were trying to accomplished there was like that doughy texture that you mentioned in the beginning, Amanda. But baklava is a different texture, right? It's not doughy. It's like crispy and flaky. Mm -hmm. Working on that. Cool. It sounds like you have something exciting and new up your sleeve that I've definitely never seen in a protein bar. So I'm really excited for you to launch that. And I will definitely try it out. Yeah. And then the last one, I think that that kind of rounds out the flavors that you've launched so far, which is pretty interesting and doesn't feel exotic and yet somehow you've you've done it differently than other people is the pb and j something for me that feels really nostalgic about pb and j is something about the bread like biting into it there's a very distinct balance it's not just peanuts and strawberries right something else yeah and that was important to me and so i think people tell me that it tastes like a sandwich (laughs) like they can't believe i think you nailed it Yeah. And so like it does taste very bready and there's but there's no bread in it and there's no gluten in it. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free. But really people scratch their heads about that flavor. They're like, okay, we don't get it. Like, are you an ethnic food bar? But our mission is to unite. And so that's why we named the company Unite. And it's about bringing inclusion and and diversity to bars. And that's every culture. We're not about leaving anybody behind. American culture is super important to me. And it's a big part of my upbringing too. And it's important to everybody. And America is the greatest country. We definitely don't want to leave out any culture. Awesome. Thank you so much, Clara. What else should our listeners know about your product? company and brand that I am available to help anybody that needs help or wants to talk. You can shoot me an email, Clara at unitefood.com. And it's really um, our mission to be the CPG brand that breaks through and shows that diversity is delicious. And that it's time to break ethnic food out of one aisle in the grocery store and really make it more representative because we are all stronger together when we're united. And especially during this time, I think it's a really important message to unite. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Clara. Before uh, signing off, I noticed on your website, you have charitable giving. Our intention with charitable giving 
is to invite our um, consumer base and our shareholders into the conversation. And we want to crowdsource the charitable giving. You know, we want to support charities that are important to our users um, and, and to people in our community. And so obviously food and hunger are important to us, but there are lots of issues that are important to a lot of people. So as we grow and develop our charitable giving foundations, it'll be um, it'll be crowdsourced the same way that we intend to also crowdsource flavors. So if anybody has a flavor idea out there for me, please send me an email in the same way that I in United starts for invite and we want to invite people in and give them a seat at the table. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you um, gotten requests for specific flavors that you're particularly excited to, to work on developing? Yeah, I think somebody requested like a Dulce de Leche, which has also been in my, you know, kind of flavor profile. But that's the funnest part is that like really flavor is endless. And we were actually written about in a flavor house newsletter that somebody shared with me, which I never would have seen, but it was kind of like, oh, this flavor trend and really exotic flavors inspired by travel is what we're after. So people who you know, whether it's something you ate on a trip or something you grew up with, like we want to hear the flavor that you want us to make. Amazing. Would you consider a savory protein bar? Yeah, I would. Mm. Yeah. What would flavor would you want, Amanda? Would be at top of your list. Thanks for asking. Hmm. <laughs> this one's kind of an adult flavor. I'm uh, half Puerto Rican. And so something that I love, well, it feels nostalgic because it was a big deal when I was allowed to drink it is Coquito, which is kind of like Puerto Rican eggnog. It's coconut and rum drink. That might be. Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> I've heard of a Coquito, but I have to look that up. Oh, it is. I, I can't make it as well as my dad can. But also I usually try to make it vegan. <laughs> okay, well, you'll have to send me a recipe. I have to try it. I love coconut. It's delicious. Clara, thank you so much. This was a fun conversation. Thank you for doing it with me, Amanda. Oh, my pleasure. How do our listeners find your product? We're online at www.unitefood.com or also on Amazon. Unite has built community and charitable giving into their business, and they have a commitment to sharing food that is clean and nutritious. I'm pleased to share that Startup CPG has recently launched a food distribution pilot program to connect brands in our community with organizations serving vulnerable populations. We picked five brands to work with us for our pilot program and Unite was one of them. They sent over $1,000 worth of nutritional snacks to kids as part of the Midwest Food Bank's Hope Pack program. And they also shared with the Food Bank of Monterey County. We're so proud to have brands like Unite who are sharing nutrition with those in need as part of our network. If you like what you heard and you're interested in learning more, sign up for our newsletter at startupcpg.com. Our newsletter lists all of our events. You can get involved by joining a Zoom happy hour. We also announce each new podcast as we release them through our newsletter. And we also share industry insights from the Startup CPG community. So you can learn more at startupcpg.com. We definitely want to have you involved. We have an active online community and these networking events are really fun. So perhaps you're even our next podcast guest or you meet your next business partner. Thank you to the Super Fantastics for providing our epic intro and outro music. You can also find them performing throughout San Francisco on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for listening to the Startup CPG podcast.